You are listening to a podcast of Ice and Fire, episode 167 for the week of March 22nd, 2015. Welcome back, everybody, to the longest-running podcast dedicated to George R.R. Martin's epic tale, A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, I feel like it's been a million years since we've done this, but welcome back, everybody, as always. This is Amin. And this is Kyle. Where are the ladies at tonight? <laughs> we don't have any ladies, but we have a couple gentlemen here with us tonight. Uh, say hello, guys. Uh, hello. Uh, my name is Duncan, also known as Valkyrist on the podcast of Ice and Fire forums. Uh, this is Greg, Claudius the Fool on the forums. Fantastic. Uh, welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks. My pleasure. Thanks for having us. Yes. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> there we are. So, um... Yeah, I think we're just gonna kind of jump into yeah. it. I made uh, I made the gentleman not talk about anything beforehand, so uh, we're gonna be saving uh, themselves. It's very adamant. Yeah, exactly. All this built up testosterone. So uh, let's see. Let's uh, let's start it off. Do we have news to talk about, guys? I think uh, I know. I do. I think the big thing this week is uh, that Benioff and Weiss have uh, said that the show is gonna spoil the books now, confirming what I think we all knew deep down inside. Yeah, probably suspected it, but yeah, the confirmation is a bit scary, I guess. <laughs> I, I think I accepted it a long time ago, so it's not as, it's, I mean, now that it's concrete, it's yeah, more black and white, but I, I accepted it from the whole, we, when we had the whole White Walker freak out in se- last season, um, but I'm, I'm okay going forward, but it, it is, you know, it does take a little bit away that things will be spoiled, and I'm I, happy about it. I guess I was sort of under the impression that it was based on the sort of broad strokes he gave at the beginning of the show, like he gave a vague idea of how the the, rest, the last two books would play out, and they're sort of playing with those goals in mind, but it seemed like more that uh, he was in constant consultation with them throughout the, throughout the seasons, right up until this point, and they know you know very specific plot details about how battles are going to end up who's going to be on the throne all that thing so it is it is yeah it's, the spoilers are going to be a lot more um detailed than we thought maybe I, I don't know if i'd call who wins the battle and who sits on the throne at the end a uh, like a specific minor detail it seems like a pretty major one to me um, it is, but it's more about the journey for me, at least, because you know I was trying to think about this, like how many ways can it end in broad strokes? You know, you only have so many characters that could end up on the throne or in charge or not dead, mm. and uh, hopefully they'll met, they'll change some of that stuff around that they've changed already from from what he you know his broad strokes. But uh, yeah, and, so it's all about getting there. <laughs> and I wonder if this sort of well, uh, can we sort of spoil like the show in this section or? What do you mean? Can we spoil the show? Well, I was thinking that if <laughs> I know Aegon... you're in Australia, you get stuff ahead of time, but I don't know you get stuff ahead of <laughs> Well, no, I was thinking because we haven't heard anything from Aegon, and if Aegon's not going to be a factor in upcoming seasons, that kind of confirms he might not be a factor in upcoming books. Oh, I <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I guess it really determines. Uh, I guess it really uh, boils down to what you uh, label as a factor, because he's obviously a factor in the stories. Um, how much so? Um, like is 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 yet to be determined, but he's definitely influenced the story within within. Yeah, the, he wrote half a book about him, and he's going to be freaking laying siege to Storm's End, and, and, and when winds open, so that that's a factor. <laughs> but he might yeah. not be sort of on the throne at the end. He might be just more like an agent of chaos to sort of unsettle. He's got elephants. He's got elephants. He's got oh, elephants break and run. Those are the, things that you can extract from the books just from like prophecies and stuff, but it, mm. it does give more confirmation to them. Whereas some things you, you can't extract exactly from prophecies. Yeah. Mm. Because you have like Danny's prophecies, she's going to sweep aside the pretender. Well, he's one of them. 
Yeah. You said there was a response by George? Yeah. Uh, someone asked, um, <laughs> it's kind of written in a funny article on, uh, what was this, The Verge? Uh, um, but um, I guess a, uh, a guy who didn't know, who doesn't know George too well, asked him about it at the San Francisco premiere. Um, about spoilers and what he thought about it. And George went on a, a very long tirade about the history of the word spoiler and everything. And uh, <laughs> it sounds like George. I guess, I guess this young reporter eventually was like, um, oh, I'm sorry I asked about that. But um, but the, the, the part that in, uh, I guess is of interest to us right now is that, uh, and let me, let me quote what he said. George says, this whole concept of spoilers is one that I've never gotten. Yes, there's a pleasure when you're reading a book or watching a television show. What will happen next? Who will win? Who will lose? But that is by no means the only reason to watch a movie or a television show. It's not the only reason to read a book. Uh, and he continues on about how he's read lots of historical fictions. And uh, he knows who won the Civil War, uh, uh, but it's not a spoiler to him about what happens in the story like it doesn't ruin the story to him or gettysburg or the war of roses or citizens kane citizen kane he can watch over and over again even though he knows how it ends he knows the entire story but he can still enjoy it immensely when he does uh sit down and watch it again and so um that was uh that was his reaction to all the fans who are upset that the show is going to spoil the books for him for them but that's gr- but he's writing fake history. We don't know how it ends, so that yeah. kind of we're not forced to accept that, you know. And, and he said, right. yeah, it's not the only reason. Yeah, it's not the only reason, but it, it is a reason to be surprised while you're reading it. That's a factor of enjoyment. Yeah. Like if you had a ten bullet points of this, this, this is going to happen in the next two books, would you read it? I don't know. I don't think I would read it, even if it was just very broad strokes, like the piece of paper he probably gave, you know, David and Dan. And there's mm. sort of this emotional, this visceral emotional response you get from. Like the first time you see it, like I was sort of spoiled on the Red Wedding before I got to it in the books. And at that moment, it was like really shocking to me. But when I got to it in the books, I could still, you know, the words themselves are really powerful, but there's not that kind of gut punch a lot of people got where they just threw the the book across the room. And that's that's such a big part of A Song of Ice and Fire, those like just heart twisting moments that are, and you sort of, you want it in that, that um, the author's words, I guess, rather than um, maybe HBO's kind of sort of different version of it. They're sort of cliff notes, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I guess everyone's going to be splitting now and 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 finally making their um their their final determination on Drawing whether or not they'll continue to watch the show. <laughs> the great schism. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's already started, but but didn't Benioff clarify that there won't be many spoilers for this season? They were talking about going forward. Um, yeah. I don't remember reading that, but I might have missed it. I think it was on Winter's. I'll try to find it. I guess it depends on how far they get with Bolton and Stannis and and Cersei's trial and all that. Mm. If that's in this season or next season, because they're pretty close with the with the North stuff, they're deep into Book Five territory. Well, it seems that they like to do big battles every two seasons. So that would, unless if they would save it to season six for the big battles, we might not have a lot this season. True. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's going to be what? What percentage of the viewer viewership do you think will stop watching the show? Less than ten percent, mm. I think. Yeah. I don't think it's. Because the majority of viewers haven't read the books and they don't care. I think, yeah, I think the book purists who are worried is going to be a pretty small drop in the pond compared to all the actual just TV yeah. viewers that are going to be swarming onto this thing. Because it's like it's a phenomenon at this point. It's it's humongous. It's probably HBO's biggest thing since like The Sopranos or something. Mm. I tend to agree with you guys. I'm I give it a rough estimate of they'll probably lose I don't know a million viewers. 
and uh, not enough to make them regret. Like there might be a drop in viewers just if the quality of the show starts to go down. But from what I've seen, season five seems to be still good. Yeah, so. the quality the quality of the show is amazing. I mean, this is a very well made show. That is kind of what I'm excited for because, like, the first three books were the things I was really excited to get adapted, and that, that's over. So now, you know, books four and five, I enjoyed a lot of it, but there was a lot of stuff that I'd be okay with them sort of uh, condensing or cutting out. So it'll be interesting to get a more mm. fast paced uh, sort of storyline than what we got in book four, maybe. Mm. It'll be interesting. We're, we're in for some interesting days ahead, gentlemen. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but and, some, to, and some awkward conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to wrap up the issue of spoilers, just two things I wanted to mention. One was uh, we've talked about before, but there, is, there will always be a spectrum of spoilers. It's not like you'll see everything or nothing. Like if you knew about the Red Wedding, but you didn't know about the purple one. So it, I think it'll vary per person what they know. Yeah. Right? Mm. And then part two is related to the forums and how we're going to handle things. It looks like what we're going to try is to split up the discussion and have all the TV show-related discussion be limited to the TV Game of Thrones forum, and then keep the rest books only is how we're going to do it, I suppose, I guess, starting from season five onwards. There you go. Forum cop, make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. So we will. Yeah, we'll post it on there and stuff, but that's that's how we're going to try it. Anyways. Sounds reasonable. Yeah. Good. I just found the article about how they when they said that it won't this season won't spoil the books is from Mashable. I put the link up there. But. All right, we have some news about India and Game of Thrones, I believe. Uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't read the article. I just saw the headline. But basically, uh, there is a article on Winter is Coming that says India is remaking Game of Thrones. So they're going to be adapting – either they're adapting the books or they're just adapting the TV show in uh, yeah. with, with an Indian production. What? And it looks, like, really different. Like, it's basically going to focus around Daenerys' story and, like, the Starks and the Lannisters are sort of background figures. So, yeah, it looks like a big departure. Like Bollywood style? Game I, I guess so. Maybe, yeah. I don't, I'm not sure. I think so. Big musical numbers? Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> we might get more than two songs in this in this TV version. Wow. Probably not songs <laughs> from the book, though. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> but uh, that could be interesting. <laughs> we'll have to request review copies. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Benioff says about spoilers in season five he says we're not really beyond the books yet benioff says thinking about the first scene Mm. of the season and the last scene of the season it's all still within the novels published so far so you're still mostly safe Mm. yeah the the only person i'm really worried about and it's going to maybe have my finger over the mute button is sansa because they've pretty much used up all her published material so it might be getting into winter winter next next season (laughs) <laughs> Is he going to watch yeah. half the show on mute? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I'm so on the oh, the show's really pretty. I don't know what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> that wardrobe is just fantastic. <laughs> you see, you all saw the trailer for this season then, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The second one was yeah, great, yeah. Good. Very nice. Did any of you guys go to the um, see the last two episodes of last season in IMAX? Yeah, I got to go. I was lucky, lucky to live close to an IMAX theater. <laughs> it was pretty nice. Uh, I, I missed that. I, uh, I went myself, and I gotta say, when that giant shot the spear arrow through the dude on the top of the wall, ooh, oh man, it felt good in that surround sound IMAX. <laughs> yeah, we were in the third row, and the whole wall stuff, especially the whole uh, when the the sky, the the sky, the, or however you want to say it, came down. Oh, I'm not so even gonna was... try to say that word. <laughs> I know that's why I said it. <laughs> Drop the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Drop that pointy thing. Go. Yeah, that, that battle would, would have been good on the big screen. Was the quality okay though? Because it wasn't actually shot in IMAX, I don't think. So it would have been pretty stretched. It wasn't too well, bad. I mean, some like, it's not like The Hobbit where it gets all blurry. It was. It wasn't that bad. I mean, it was. 
you know 1080p, but it was it was still. Yeah. yeah. Although there was I a rumor looked- that they might make a movie after the end of the show, after the end of the TV series. Because like, yeah, oh, the HBO <laughs> keeps saying like, that, but we're not doing that. Yeah, he just keeps throwing out rumors and things. We're not sure if they're true. Oh, HBO's like, excuses like, we don't want people to have to pay $16 to finish their series. Well, they've probably paid hundreds of dollars in cable fees for their yeah. five seasons. No one's going to pay $16 for, for a movie. HBO's trying to like stamp out George's rumors yeah. constantly. And now they're paying 15 a month to watch it without cable, so, you know. You know. <laughs> yet great and we'll be planning to continue our reviews this season it may be kyle and me plus guests <laughs> this be okay i don't know if yeah. we're gonna have three separate ones this this year but uh we're still gonna do the reviews yeah, yeah that matters. was a bit crazy last last season with three different podcasts would be okay oh man has actually said she's uh she's done with i don't know the- i guess i'll confirm with her but uh even if she's not done just scheduling in time is going to be difficult every week yeah so ashley in that third shift work man she's hard to yeah. get a hold of that that one mm. the elusive the elusive ashley yeah we could all right. stay on sunday at ice and FireCon and just review the episode <laughs> and then drive home <laughs> <laughs> Good. great i guess we want to go into the chapters here because I believe Amber, who couldn't make it today, has actually prepared some recaps for us. Oh, did she give them to you? She did. Yeah, she emailed them in. Oh, whoa. Somebody's doing some work around here. Yeah, she's she's actually clerking at the Supreme Court of Westeros right now. Oh. She's she's doing good work. (laughs) Oh, well, read away, I mean. Oh, no, we'll have Duncan read it, I think. I I, I I told Amber I was going to read it in the the previously on Hell's Kitchen voice to spice it up a bit. So... um, (laughs) I don't know. Have you guys seen that Hell's Kitchen? It's like a Gordon. I've Ramsay seen show. Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. That's, that's oh, Gordon Ramsay, isn't oh, it? Yeah. Yeah. At the beginning of each, there's, like this, there's this awesome voiceover like previously on Hell's Kitchen. All right, so here we go. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Well, hang on, my phone's going off. Uh, oh well, it's off. <laughs> ruined. Ruined the moment. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. <It's off. laughs> here we go. Tell uh, tell the sexy ladies to wait. You're doing a podcast. I will. They're on hold. Okay. Jamie 2, in which Jamie Lannister is kind of an asshole, but with so much snarky humor and clearly justified swagger that you can't help but be entertained. Jamie, Brienne, and Sir Cleos Frey come to the inn of the Kneeling Man, and Jamie notes that crossbows are a coward's weapon. They are fed, overpay for some horses, and hear that the Lightning Lord is ceremoning about riding this way and that. Brienne begins to earn Jamie's grudging respect when she chooses the same path he would have when they hit the road again. Sir Cleos, however, is only good for picking blackberries. Jamie thinks back to when he was knighted by Sir Arthur Dane, and thinks that the white cloak soiled him and not the other way around. We learn that it was stupid fucking Cersei's stupid fucking idea for him to join the King's Guard. He remembers the string of ineffectual hands after Tywin left King's Landing with dumb Cersei, and flashes back to killing the last of these, Rossart, who fought like an alchemist, which is hilarious. He also remembers killing Ares, as well as being in a position to proclaim a new king, which he declined to do so. His inner monologues remind us that he is really quite clever and logical, while in his dreams he is haunted by burning dead men. So thanks to Amber for that recap. <laughs> Thank you. I think, yeah. it, I think it's only fair that I get to read the second one in an Australian accent because Duncan read the first one in an American accent. You may, if you can possibly match my flawless <laughs> American accent. He's, it reminds it, it was it was great, but I, I picture like the Monty Python guys when they put on their American accents. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Bravo. Well done. I need to watch Hell's Kitchen now. After that. <laughs> I like it. When I was working at the restaurant, it was helpful because it was really stressful work. <laughs> it's a good, good catharsis. All right, well done. Nice. 
Yeah. All right. So, so, so yeah. we've got the second Jamie chapter in all the land. Um, and we get to learn more about him here a little bit. So, um, what'd you guys think? What'd you over, overarching, what'd you take from the, uh, what'd you take from the chapter? Well, it's striking how, like, cause this is, we only get a few chapters of pre hand cutting Jamie. So it's striking how sort of nasty and vicious and bloodthirsty he can mm. be at times. Uh, but at the same time, he's incredibly engaging. He's just so, got so much swagger and sort of cockiness that it's very, even if you don't like him, it's, it's, it's very much, um, an engaging chapter as opposed to maybe Theon who kind of lacks all of that and is still a, a horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, on one side he's he's gaining uh, appreciation from Brienne, but on the other hand, he thinks about like choking her with chains. Yeah, uh, difficult to read. Hmm. Yeah, it is fun. It's not. I mean, I we all like to like Jamie because he's transformed and he's on a you know it's huge arc of becoming a good guy. But you forget that he he's not just an asshole. Like he's he like you said, he wants to wrap his manacles around her and choke her to death, and he's trying to kill her basically this entire chapter, trying to put himself in a position to. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's he's this. It's refreshing to remember where he was before he lost his hand. Hmm. But there's so many points in this chapter where he's like, "Ooh, if she had made one, if she had taken one more step, I would have." Taken yeah. that dagger and killed her. Oh, if she had done that, I would have killed her. There were so many moments where you're like, really? You really would have killed her? I don't know about that. But it is, I mean, so, they're enemies. I mean, he's a, he's a captured prisoner. It's what we'd expect the Starks to do, isn't it, if they were captured by Lannisters? But it's a weird, like, you have him, Brienne, and Cleos, and they're all enemies, but they all have to just tolerate each other on this part of their journey, because they all have different goals, and they're all trying to get different things done. But I, I love the, it's almost like the Three Stooges, but it's never funny. Well, it's a little funny, but they're, you know, because Cleos, I, he's like my favorite Frey, and I know that's not saying much, but he, I kind of have a little respect for him, because yeah. he just wants to freaking lay down in a feather bed. And Jimmy's <laughs> like, I thought you were going to kill her so we could lay down in the feather bed. And he's like, no, come on, cuz, let's keep going. And he seems like such a decent guy. He's just kind of doing his job he respects Brienne and like you know it, it just shows you that the phrase aren't all the weaselly murderers that we think of them as and this I is guess, like his third trip back right he's already been to King's Landing bringing Rob's terms back and forth yeah. and he's just just give him a freaking break he's a worker yeah he put, yeah he's done a lot of work <laughs> how long has that guy been traveling for well, I think we see him at the beginning of book two when uh, Rob gives him the terms and he delivers that to Cersei and Cersei's like, nah, and he has to walk all the way back. <laughs> How many months has he been walking? I just picture him like constantly like dropping his shoulders going, oh, right. Total eel Goddamn Lannisters. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun interaction between the three of them. And uh, it gave me a chuckle when Cleos was just like, oh, we, we, well, we could just take a nap. We can, it's yeah. we can, we can sleep. We're good. Please let me sleep. <laughs> so, 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 so these guys, do you think um, do you think Brienne was right at the end that they were working with some outlaws in the woods along the, yeah. the other road? I yeah. think we learn think in so. a later chapter, like the Arya chapter, that uh, when they get picked up by the Brotherhood and go to that same inn, then the innkeeper's like, oh, we sent some uh, some guys down your way. We thought we, you'd have captured them and stole their stuff or something. Huh? See, yeah. I'm always confused with the inns. Is this the inn that Hot Pie ends up working at, or that's the inn of the Crossroads? Because they all kind of blend together as the inn. In my no, this, this is the Hot Pie inn, yeah. they. Tr- I think the Brotherhood trades uh, Hot Pie for food or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> is this the Hot Pie inn? Yeah, I get a mix-up, too. There's the one with um, the woman with the red teeth. Masha yeah. Hettel? That's the Crossroads that's, one. That's the Crossroads. It's yeah. the Crossroads. And then there's this That's one where Tyrion was King. taken by Catelyn in book one. And is okay. the Crossroads the one where Brienne ends up, where all those orphans are? Like, just she gets attacked by Biter outside the inn? 
Oh, where Gendry is it? Yeah, the, um, he's yeah. a stable boy. Good question. I'm not entirely sure. It's definitely in the Riverlands because that was like Dundarian territory, but I'm not positive it's this one. Mm, yeah, I'll just look it up. Where uh, I need a map. What's going on here? But these aren't on. These are over in the Riverlands where they're at right now, yeah. right? They're not yep. along the King's Road headed north because isn't that's. No. This is like exactly where the Tor and Stark kneeled. That's what's the end of the kneeling man when he's yeah, just south of the twins. Yeah, Yeah. just kind of cool place to have an end. (laughs) That whole theme there. (laughs) Yeah, I love all the little. We get a lot of backstory in there, just from the world, you know, history going back to the Aegon's conquest and and the Field of Fire they mention, and then we also get you know the sack of King's Landing and Jamie's. You know, we don't get the full reveal how he was protecting everyone, but we're we get a lot of his backstory, which I really I always like the chapters where you get the, the the history going back as well as the stuff going forward. Mm. Yeah, and those parts—that's what's going to be so satisfying when we read the book after the show's done. You know, all those little world-building stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, Let's see here, what else have we got in this chapter? Jamie hates crossbowmen. Yep. <laughs> ja- <laughs> Jamie's got a good line when he enters, and the crossbow is like, "Are you wolves, lions, or fish?" And he's like, "Oh, actually, we would just like some capon." <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious about uh, because they're kind of complaining about the wolves as much as the lions and causing damage. I wonder is, is, if that's Roose Bolton's men that's doing that, or is, has Rob really let his men go amok here? Um, is this prior to Castor killing those two prisoners? Because I know he sends out like a swarm of guys to like track down the Jamie and um, to, and whoever gets no, Jamie gets his daughter's hand in marriage, and they're like basically just sacking villages because they can't find him. I think this has to be after because I th- I remember the last Catelyn chapter of book two is when the phrase were all like kicking cans and be like, oh, we were supposed to marry her and they were all pissed off. But I, Yeah, but I think it's after Rob executes Karstark. Part of it is that happens in war, but I mean, part of it maybe Roose doesn't control his men as much as Rob does. Well, well I, think it's, I think it's both, technically yeah. Wolves. Yeah, the Boltons, yeah. Are, they take Harrenhal and they're basically – I think Arya learns that – the mamas are going back to all of the places where yeah. they're going back to all their old haunts and um, that that used to be under Lannister protection, and they're basically just robbing them now that the wolves are, now that they uh, swap sides to the wolves. So I guess they're technically wolves. The bloody mamas and Bolton's men are helping them and stuff. I did have a catch where I think it was a literary uh, shout out to Robert Frost, where uh, Jamie says, uh, well, Cleo says, you know, we should stay. And he says, Jamie says, we have promises to keep in long leagues before us, which is like a paraphrasing of I have promises to keep in miles to go before I sleep from uh, Frost stopping by woods on a snowy evening. So I was uh, I, that kind of stuck with me just on this time through when I was, you know, reading very carefully. And uh, is that a, that's, that's a different poem from. Two roads diverged in a wood. Yeah, we kind right. of get that in as well. So yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a Robert Frost chapter. There we go. <laughs> it's a Frost main. It's Frost. But did she take the one less traveled by? We don't know that. So. Hmm. Hmm. Probably. I like when they call like the Barrack there. They call him the Lightning Lord because he like strikes really quickly or whatever. It's like that's not why. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's <a lightning. laughs> I love how there's you know you're getting word of mouth accounts. So there's yeah. things that have happened like oh Stannis is still at King's Landing. And it's like, well, no, no. Um, and there's all this, there's all this stuff that we know as readers that uh, the, just the word hasn't spread around yeah. the land. And it's great. It's like really, if only, only Stannis did have a hundred thousand men, that would be. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's all this like you know false stuff and mistakes and rumors, and then it talks about like, and then this guy who can't die and they have magic powers, and you don't believe it at the mm. time, right? You think it's just rumors, and but that turns out to be true. Absolutely. Mm. They, they talk about Thoros as well. <laughs> <laughs> He seems like a nice guy to hang out with, pre- both the previous version of Thoros and the current version. Yeah. 
You can match Robert drink for drink. Yeah, Robert liked hanging out with him. So yeah. like the party. Didn't did Thoros like his women before he was forced into the priesthood? I'm trying to remember like what his uh, story backstory was. Well, in the show, he was sent into the priesthood to get Robert Baratheon to convert to the Lord of Light. So I don't remember that from the books, though. <laughs> oh, I think they kind of played it the same way that why he was there. But uh, or maybe not. You're right. It was before, right? Because they sent it because of Targaryens and were into fire. Is that why they sent him? Uh, it, it says he was uh, he owned his priesthood when he was pretty young in the Free Cities, but he was never that pious because he always had a taste for fighting, drinking, and women. So I think he was always like this. But he's pretty talented. Like he's probably more talented than Melisandre. The fact that he can bring people back to life like that. Oh, we don't know what, if she can do that. Maybe she'll yeah. do the same. And I, I, I thought I remember Thoros as being like, I don't know how it happens. It just does. <laughs> so he, he gave him the kiss of life, so Melisandre will do the same to John. There we go. Blow the life back into him. Blow you the really, life you're not, back. You don't have to reach too far. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and there might be a Blood Raven reference in this chapter. Nope, do tell. Oh. Did you see it? No. There's an ancient the white gel. Yeah, exactly. Ancient white gelding, blind in one eye. <gasps> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so yeah. the crappiest horse is Blood Ravens. <laughs> Blood Ravens everywhere. Not only does he see through trees, but he sees through old horses. <laughs> he so. sees through one-eyed horses. He's paying attention. <laughs> that wants to walk in a circle. Yeah, that's something that doesn't strike me as particularly Blood Ravenian. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little far-fetched to me. Yeah. Um, but but in terms of references, though, they're they're talking about where to go, and ja- both Jamie and Brienne know know what's up, but uh, Cleos doesn't. And then Jamie says like, "There's far too much horseshit here," and then he looks at Brienne to see if she gets it. Uh, and that's a double reference. I mean, well, one reference is that there is too much horse shit there. There's been other horses there. So, like, it shows that the men were there. He says that himself. But I think the second is just, like, they're talking horse shit. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think oh, the, the power he's threatening to wrap his chains around Brienne's neck, maybe it could be, like, foreshadowing what happens to Shay, because we see Shay in the next chapter. Um, but also maybe him, like, oh. the Valenquire thing, like him strangling Cersei, maybe. I don't know. It's a bit, it's a bit vague, but yeah. Hmm. That seems yeah. like the type of thing he'd put in there. Yeah, because it's just that the chapters are one after the other, maybe. And was this the first time where he calls her Brienne, like not in a, you know, honestly, because the whole time he's calling her wench and, and yeah. everything. And, and then when they sit down at the fire right before the end of the chapter, I think he calls her Brienne, and that's when she comes right back with Kingslayer. Like he, the one moment where they had this little like rapport, and then she she's the one to, mm. to end it. Mm. That's because yeah. he, he specifically makes a connection. He's like, she's like Tyrion in some ways. Like, I'm not sure how, but she's kind of like Tyrion. Yeah, yeah they're sort of two people that are kind of shunned by society because of the way they look, and they've both got this really sort of spike exterior to like deal with all the insults that are leveled against them hmm. I liked how yeah. Jamie like hates crossbows because like back in King's Landing his son Joffrey is just like threatening everyone with a crossbow <laughs> <laughs> so during their exchange with Brienne I mean he uses the term a queer sort of daughter and I mean that that wasn't an accidental use by Martin it's because that term can often also just deal with people who break gender norms like I think yeah. well, reference. oh I didn't think that was like calling her queer by any means that was just the, the way he was saying it well, it's, I know but I mean Martin is putting that, that word there for a reason it's strange how she almost says son like obviously she's breaking gender expectations she's got a more like militant kind of attitude she likes sword fighting which is obviously not yeah. I guess ladylike by Westerosi standards but the, it's strange that she almost says son it's almost like she maybe even identifies yeah. more as a man than as a woman obviously she's attracted to, to, to men but 
Because you wouldn't, well, she wouldn't really actually say like so. Like that's, right. that means that she's been thinking it, which is more than I thought. Like, that that did seem a little out of place. Maybe it's more just like she's been told that so many times by people that she just she sort of internalized that kind of like name calling or abuse. Maybe she doesn't actually see herself like that because she seems to have a very close, loving relationship with her father. She reminded him of Tyrion in some queer way. The same paragraph again. Interesting. We also learned that the Mad King shit himself right before he got killed, which I don't remember that. But <laughs> he squealed like a that, pig. But he shit himself only after Jamie told him that he killed Rossart. So I don't know yeah. if that was more from fear or that I'm not going to get to see my city burn. But yeah, and he did smell like shit as he killed him. So yeah, just, just this visceral. big machine break falling apart. Yeah, the last of the Dragon Kings, and that happens to him. Yeah. <laughs> um, just before we get to, I guess, near the end of the chapter, though. This goes into more detail than I remember. And I, I, I thought that Tywin was going to set up Jamie with Lysa. That seemed to be the plan. But he was, he was even going to invite Lord Tully over to discuss Dower. So they were really close to making that deal. I can't even imagine that. I think it would have worked out for the better. So is this, where, is this where the um, Southern Ambitions theory comes from, sort of? There seems to be these... This, this is a tie into it, yeah. Yeah, these weird marriage alliances. Prior to the Robert's Rebellion, there's these weird marriage alliances between five of the seven kingdoms. And these apparently these all the lords of these kingdoms were like buddies during the, the War of the Nine Penny Kings. So you've got an alliance between... Uh, what? Who, who are the mar- So Lysa and Jamie were arranged to get married. Brandon and Catelyn. Uh, yeah. Uh, Robert and Lyanna. Robert and Lyanna, and Robert and Ned are obviously being fostered in the Eyrie, which is interesting because Lysa doesn't seem like an obvious catch for Jamie, who's like the oldest son of Castle Rock. She's the youngest daughter of, you know, Riveron. Seems like a bit of a step down from Tywin. So maybe there's a good yeah, like, Because I was thinking of that, like, who else? What is what is Tywin's best like marriage option? Unless it's some like queen, a princess from a. Stannis. You know, a yeah. Well, it seems like the normal thing to do is to marry within your kingdom because you or within, I guess, what do they call them now, like provinces? Because it, it, you've got to shore up your base, make sure your vassals are happy. So it's a bit more rare to marry between kingdoms because yeah. there isn't that much benefit outside of making like alliances for war or whatever or binding up the kingdom. Right. There isn't that much uh, sort of um, advantage for day-to-day ruling. It's more, it's like most of your ruling is done within your kingdom. That's where you want things to work well. Yeah, and it seems like the Lysa thing was was one of the later pieces to that, maybe trying to pull the Lannisters in, now that it seems like they were pissed off against the Targaryens. Mm. And, we and she was that- still a good match. I mean, they would have, I guess, preferred Caitlyn, but she was already, like, betrothed. Yeah. And we do learn that uh, Tywin was keeping Cersei in the Tower of the Hands on the off chance that Elia might die in childbirth and she, he could yeah. marry her off to, <laughs> to Rhaegar. I was wondering if maybe he had something to do with her getting sick or something in childbirth. Hmm. I think, oh, he was, I guess he was playing both hands. He was keeping an eye on both the throne and uh, the growing power block. Maybe, yeah. yeah. That's Tywin. He's clever. But I, but I think, like, guys, don't, don't you, I think it might have worked out for the better if Jamie had been with, with Lysa. Like it would have pulled the Riverlands closer with the Lannisters. Hopefully, it wouldn't have burned the whole place down. Later, I feel like Cersei would have just killed Lysa within like a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we know it doesn't seem likely that that would have that would have worked out. Been a happy yeah, night. She yeah. only has so so far a reach, and Lysa would. This is Lysa. This is Lysa's a young girl, not as what she became. And this would have been prior so. to her and Littlefinger having the abortion. Yeah, that might not even have happened. Like if they knew that he was coming up, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, so Cersei screwed over Lysa here, with, <laughs> incidentally. <laughs> and how did, how did she screwed do over it? Jamie too. Yeah. Every every misfortune. He's like, we trace it was Casterly Rock, but after that night, it, it seemed like a small price to pay. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, 
Oh, crazy. That's Cersei. We do. Uh, we learned some cool stuff about Jamie, or I mean, we might have known it already. But I, I kind of want the further adventures of Jamie and Sir Arthur Dane. During, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Kingswood Brotherhood short story right after. Yeah. He writes the next nine Duncan yeah. Egg stories and the two books, then we'll get that. Like, I want to know what Jamie did that Sir Arthur Dane was like. You're getting knighted right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly what he said. On your knees now. Well, on your knees now. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I didn't mean to sound like oh, that. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I might have been in a relationship in uh, Duncan Eggs. I think we chatted about that. Oh, yeah. Well, that's just because they were super fabulous in the graphic novel, but <laughs> we don't know if that was uh, <laughs> described that way. <laughs> they had some pretty shiny armor, though. Is that a drawing? That's a artist theory? Yeah. <laughs> Is this the first time we hear about the previous Hands of the King under Ares? Because there's about four, I think, and he says two were exiled, and they were, I guess, uh, Connington and Owen Merriweather, and then two were killed. Uh, Rossard obviously was killed by Jamie, and I think Chelstead was, I think he was killed because he objected to the caches of wildfire being stored around King's Landing. Hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at the chapter art for this chapter. It seems to summarize it pretty well. And I think, so, the grandson of Owen Merriweather is, uh, is it Orton Merriweather, the husband of Taina Merriweather, who obviously Cersei is friends with in Book 4? Hmm. Yeah, so the, either so they, son or grandson, they are definitely related. So they did get out of exile eventually. They were brought yeah, back Yeah, with an upgrade, it. they got a hot wife now. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, once once Robert came in, they probably got a pardon or something, right? So it's interesting. I think they lost some he, of the lands. Like he pardoned Merriweather, but he didn't pardon Connington. I guess maybe Connington would have refused to pardon. It's too prideful. Yeah, and plus his boyfriend's dead, so yeah, that's going as no a point. company. Yeah. Don't they think that he's dead at some point as well? Don't they hear that he's dead? Oh, that he's might dead. be true, yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. Hmm. John Connington, or is it a, a yeah. relative? Yeah, it yeah. is John Connington. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was a uncle or father, or it was actually him. Yeah. Okay. Because he's one of those guys that he's, they mentioned before, but still just like came out of nowhere in the fifth book. To play a relatively yeah. Awesome. yeah. It's, it's just one of those characters that comes out of nowhere and you're like, oh, wait a minute. They have been. Yeah, I'm, so, so, I'm supposed to remember, remember this guy, but I do. Like, and then you actually <laughs> learn, you read up on him. You're like, holy shit, they did do something significant. How did I not know this guy before? I don't know. Those later books made me feel very stupid where I was having – because I listen to the audiobooks and for some reason they don't stick as well when they're not you're not reading the words. And I was like, who are these people? I know I've met them before, but who are they? <laughs> but is Connington mentioned that much? Because like – uh, this was well, it seems like he was out of his way not to name him here. He just calls him the, you know, the right. Griffin King. Yeah. And the, so. yeah, he must have been. There's references to him quite a bit, but okay. yeah. yeah. You wouldn't think, I mean, you'd have no idea that he's coming back later. There's, there's references to millions of people. So like, you don't really notice yeah. them until yeah. you realize he's going to play a bigger role in the latest story. And there are That's some cool. mentions to the Battle of the Bells and how everything could have changed. Oh, yeah, because yeah. Arya goes to the Bells, so that's probably where you get the story, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how significant that was, and you're like, oh, man, yeah. The one where Robert was hiding, like, in people's beds, because he's not the one yeah, where he was, was like, hiding, con- and Connington was trying to track him down, but he yeah. was... Just bedding whore after whore, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what was it, they they rang the bells in the city, or how, how did the bells come um, into play? Yeah, I think uh, Ned and... Um, yeah, I think the, yeah, the people yeah, the of Sunstept were working together... And helping him with this, the bells were like signals for whether the armies were attacking or something, so he could get out of this building or that building as they were searching. Mm. One if by land, two if by sea. All that stuff. Yeah, it, was, it seems like a very exciting battle. Like that's definitely one of the. I mean, it was one of the yeah. key points of that war. And then Ned came in and saved the day. <laughs> yeah, it seems, very, together, right? it seems very tense. Like it'd be a good movie moment where the yeah. the bad guy is coming in on the 
the, the hero and you're like, oh god, he's gonna find him, he's gonna find him. Yeah. Sounds like the a Soul good... Rebellion would have been a great movie or, or some adaptation. I mean, just the sack of King's Landing. Sounds like mm. a good Facebook game. Just like moving Robert from like building to building. <laughs> 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 Ringing the bells to like warn him and stuff. He's got arms full of wenches as you're moving. <laughs> yeah, you to collect wenches. He has too many tankards of ale and too many wenches. You need to you need to lose some if you yeah. plan to make it to safety. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Right. But it was a good. It was a good chapter. It was informative, and uh, uh, we get to see the awesome interaction between the three of them, and uh, which is a lot of fun. So, good one. Good one. The the image we get of um, Ares is this kind of the first time we get him in first person because it was pretty scary to um because we hear about him a lot before this point, but I think this is the first time we get a flashback where we actually see him and see what a horrible person he was, and it was. It was interesting because, like, more than any other character, it seems like Jamie is haunted by Ares because he was this sort of dark sort of father figure to him. And he sort of betrayed betrayed that idea of what knighthood is and all that. So, a lot of what, what Jamie ha- has become, like the horrible person he, he's become, stems back to that that uh, interactions with Ares, I guess, and the horrible he things he's supposed to observe. He doesn't seem so horrible in this chapter. He seems more pathetic than anything. Yeah. I guess, know? yeah. More like just but certainly, guilt. yeah. Yeah, but certainly other chapters, he's just awful. I mean, the recounting of um, of uh, uh, the Stark's death with yeah. the fire and the mm. yeah, like yeah, vile, absolutely vile. But this chapter, I just I was like, oh, Skype. He that killed his you- killed his friend, and then he shit himself, and then he's oh, he's just he's gone, he's done. Yeah, it makes you think differently about historical events where you're told so much of from people who were there or who you know secondhand accounts. But when you read f- diary entries or firsthand accounts of major historical events, sometimes they come across as as uh, not as exciting as they're made out to be, or as you would think they would be. Um, and this kind of makes me me think of that a little bit. Mm. Oh, that's very true. What do you like? What do you think Jamie means when he says like this? The white cloak soiled me, not the other way around. Um. I don't know. It, it sort of echoes what the Hound went through, maybe, because these are two characters, and maybe even Sansa and Brienne, I guess, in Book Four. They, these characters have this idea of what knighthood is—something to aspire to, something honourable, um, a force of good in the world. And then when you actually get into it, and you realise how corrupt it is, and how it's just this facade, and there's horrible things going on beneath, and feudalism is just this rotten system that just hurts the innocent and protects the guilty. Um, that kind of shatters you, and you kind of left with nothing left to live for or hope for, and you just, yeah. I, I thought it was more just, and Jamie was meaning it from personally how like the cloak just prevented him from from being with Cersei or from doing all the stuff that he wanted to do. Where mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then of course when he actually killed the Mad King, he says I should have taken off because he was in his golden armor, but he should have taken off his gold, his white cloak, and then people wouldn't have that image of the white cloak and the dead king. You know, they mm-hmm. just see a, a Lannister lord. Hmm. Yeah, like the he didn't maybe he didn't stain the King's Guard, the King's Guard stained him because now he, he has to wear the name Kingslayer wherever it goes. Yeah. Alright, I, I got sorry. One final question, I guess, for the chapter is he thinks about uh he could have crowned a king and decides not to because they were related to him, but do, I don't, do you really think anything would have happened if he had crowned a king? Like doesn't he doesn't really have any authority to do so. Hmm. Well, I think at that moment he did have a lot of authority because he just killed the old king. 
So, I mean, it all depends on what the guys in the hall did, you know, if they went along with it or not. But it's yeah, not gonna stick to anything, though. I mean, Tywin's going to do whatever he wants to do. I don't think well, Ned Stark's walking in in five minutes anyway with yeah, the army of North, it, so yeah. probably not. But in the moment, they're not thinking that. Tywin's in one the king, That's the moment to do it. Yeah, because Tywin's in the city and Ned Stark's in the city. So maybe if it was just Tywin, like it doesn't matter what Jamie says. Basically, it's Tywin decisions. So if yeah. Tywin decides, I'm going to make uh, Aegon the king and I'm going to be hand and we'll try and fight the Starks and the Baratheons, which would have been suicide, of course. But ultimately, Stark was in there as well with his army. So Tywin would have had to actually fight House Stark and Robert wouldn't have liked that if he wanted any other way. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> if if Aegon survived, Tywin wouldn't get his revenge, right, against the... The Dornish. Oh yeah, he already had that plot in motion. Of course, yeah, yeah. That's if he had it, 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 that's what I love about books. You don't know if he, he had the plot not, in right? motion to kill them. To he sent yeah. Lordship mm. Gregor in to kill them specifically, so yeah. that be to, to to show to to kill the children. Right? He said that Elia didn't have to be killed, but he says oh, right. the kids had to. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I mean, the 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 scene where Jamie had, to, if he could have declared a king, king sort of reminded me of the princess and the queen a bit. Where it was like, oh, okay, the king's dead. Who who knows first, and who's gonna speak up first? Like, who's gonna who's gonna step? Who? Because it's like whoever says is first. You have uh, you have the people who could go either way, saying, oh, well, they've been declared king, so I've got to back them. Um, you have there's so many people involved that that just need to be told who to follow. You know. Yeah, at least in the princess and the queen, they had more. It was a death, and they had time to prepare. Like they couldn't just shove him in the back room, and be like, "He's back there. We're keeping him prisoner." You know, yeah, we're yeah. gonna decide the uh, who's next. But, yeah, uh, the, the enemy yeah, was far was the away. Chaos was the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was the enemy is outside the doors. There was, I mean, there, there was a potential for the whole kingdom to just fall apart right there. Like, you know, Lannisters fighting Baratheon and Stark. You know, uh, Tyrell and fighting them as well. Like, yeah, that was there, and then this happened years later. But it just shows the the kingdom was. It had the potential to fall apart. Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like I that's why the kingdom is falling apart now, because yeah. when Robert and Ned were in charge, they had such a good relationship that they were managed to sort of pick up the pieces of the Targaryen reign and put it together into something stable. But once those two left, like there's nothing left. It all just falls apart. There's no line of secession that's put, been put in place. It's just chaos. Yeah. And that's what the Cersei... Uh and the Robert marriage was supposed to do, but it didn't do it. made it worse. <laughs> no, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. yeah. All right, that's a good chapter review. Got uh, another chapter to go. I want to hear an Australian accent for this weekend. <laughs> yeah, go for it, Greg. <laughs> do you have a show that I'm supposed to <laughs> imitate, or just do a uh, Paul Hogan? <laughs> you can do a Paul Hogan show. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so as an Australian, you won't be offended by this, Duncan, or you oh, speak we'll, for all. We'll see. <laughs> 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 Better get it right. All right. Good day, Tyrion Two. In which Tyrion visits Varys's bedchamber to demand a visit from Shay. Tyrion suggests he should have a gold nose made, foreshadowing his brother's golden hand, and finds that Varys has little birds even in the citadel. He lands a kettle wax on now Cersei's informants, and that she's stringing along Osman, who wants to hit that, and pretty much everyone in King's Landing is spying Tyrion. Tyrion impatiently awaits his tryst with Shay, and laments he will never be a manly man, but always a dwarf. He chats with Sir Loris, who says... Sorry. <laughs> Who says when asked why he joined the Kingsguard, when the sun has set, no candle can replace it. Oh, we see Varys in his lady clothes. Shay tries to break Tyrion's winky, then winds 
incessantly. I haven't read this yet. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Anne whines incessantly about wanting back her jewels and silks. And I think I'm going into some weird accent. <laughs> and wanting to go to the wedding feast. Tyrion chides himself that he should have learned after Tysha, but can't bring himself to send her away as he's intended. Podrick Payne is clueless and adorable, and Bronn is taking full advantage of knighthood with three ways at Chatai's brothel. Tyrion sends him to find Simon Silvertongue, the one who filled Shay's empty head with dreams about how dope the feast is going to be. Fosters. There we go. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That was like the Sim- that was like the Simpsons Australian accents. Like it's an emergency. <laughs> I feel so cultured now. I think, you, uh, I, I think it was probably closer to New Zealand, but it was still very good. Well, I had I pissed off three New Zealand people in the bookstore. I was like, "You guys are from Australia, right?" Like, no, we're from New Zealand. Why does everyone think that? And, uh, yeah, we're not happy about that. But they said oh. if you want to do an Australian accent, just end every question, every sentence in a question mark, and it makes yeah, sense. So just go up at the end of every sentence. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. All right. So, what happened in this chapter? I mean, what uh, quite a bit. Let's see what I. Oh, I guess we. I circled Varus's slimy smile. So perhaps some more evidence for the fish. He's theory. a merling. <laughs> He's a merling. Fish, fish smile. <laughs> what did you guys see? It's true. It's my favorite theory ever. Yeah. yeah. Mandon Moore is the perfect king's god. Oh yeah. That was Hashtag Merlin conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. No, I like how he, he knows what happens with Mando Mori. He's like, oh, yeah, he was defending the king's own blood, and he's smiling. He's like, he knows. <laughs> <laughs> he knows everything. <laughs> yeah. This is why I won't complain of that. I love the actor who plays him in the show, but he never titters. And Virus in the book, like, titters in every other paragraph. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a different character in the show, definitely. Like, he becomes really maudlin towards the end, and he's not, not as happy-go-lucky. He's kind of... He, he, like, because they seem to have a good relationship, him and Tyrion, on the show. But he starts to distance himself more and more, and once thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. But he sleeps on a hard bed. He doesn't. Tyrion thought he would like a feather bed, but he's full of surprises. His his room is excessively humble. Mm. So, so the bed. I, I I tend to think that has something to do with uh, when he was a slave or when he was. Kept prisoner, excuse me. Hmm. The magician Maybe. guy, I feel like he was forced to sleep on probably just a cement floor or a, uh, um, a stone floor, excuse me. Um, oh, I just I have back issues, and I, I identified with him saying he has a bad back because it is better to sleep on a hard surface. Hmm. I think there's like some homeless people have trouble sleeping on beds when they get a house. They have to like sleep on the floor because it, it feels uncomfortable. So that might be it when he was living in lice, I think. So maybe he was homeless, or maybe he's not used to a, a bed. That's that's how I felt when they mentioned yeah. the bed, and he's just sort of like, "Yeah, my back, it's uh, it's not any good." Because mm. um, it didn't it didn't register with me that his back is actually bad. Because he's always, I feel like there are points where he's imitating like old men and stuff, and he's hunched over and different things. And um, I just took it as there was something in his past where he was forced to sleep on a hard floor for a long time, and now he that's the only way he can sleep. Mm. Yeah, I think they sort of taken the show's sort of taken that idea and given it to Maester Pycelle. But I think Varys is really nimble in the books, but he just puts on this front of being large and and slow moving and yeah, he's actually like a merling. Yeah, yeah. he's like got a merling. Yeah. <laughs> he's got fish strength. Superhuman, superhuman fish strength. It's hard to go fast when you have a fin. <laughs> but he is also, I mean, humble because he's devoted to whatever purpose he's doing, which I still don't know. 100%, but whatever it is, he's devoted to it. So, he doesn't need the extras. 
I thought there was a nice contrast between Varys and Shay in terms of like Varys is living very humbly, but he's actually wielding a lot of power, whereas Shay wants yeah. to live in this sort of luxuriously, but she's actually quite powerless. Hmm. They talk so, about the uh, maesters and how they were thinking about a new successor. They're kind of like putting the show, they might put somebody of a lower birth before going with a Tyrell. Yeah, what was that whole talk about how um, the Citadel is the only one who can make or break a Grandmaster and they were going to send somebody else over, but then Tywin didn't want that person, so he reinstated Grandmaster Pycelle? Is that? Yeah. That's what it looks like. They yeah. Just put it down as he was yeah. taking a leave of absence in the Black Cells or something. Yeah. <laughs> Doing a rotation in the cells. <laughs> taking a siesta in the cells. Yeah. Do you feel kind of sorry for Parcel eventually, or do you hate him? Because, I mean, everyone's just shitting on him all of, all the time, and he gets I, killed. And, yeah. I, kind I only of felt bad for him when he cut his beard. That was the only time I felt bad for him, because <laughs> it's tough to grow a beard back. <laughs> I kind of felt sorry for him at the in the Kevin's epilogue at the end of Dance of the Dragons, because he, he seems so meek and elderly, like he's cold, yeah. and he's afraid someone's going to hurt him, and he keeps going up to Kevin, and Kevin's like, I don't have time for this, just go, go to your room. And then he lands up dead. <laughs> go to your room. <laughs> go to your room and die. Yeah. <laughs> Go watch yeah, your stories. Yeah, this big man crush for Tywin, and then Tywin's calling him like an idiot and stuff. Oh, <laughs> the toadies, the poor toadies. Yeah, I can't. I can't say I ever felt bad for that guy. Oh. No. Yeah, yeah. Then again, he was betting like fifteen-year-old servants and stuff, right? That's not. Was that happening in the books too? Yeah. Okay. That was happening, right? All right. I, I, you know, I start to get things mixed up. Yeah. Apparently, he could still get it up. I guess he's got all those potions and stuff. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but if he has an erection lasting more than six hours, who does he consult? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you got a book on everything there. You just opens up the book. So we we hear about the Citadel, and it seems like well, it seems like the Citadel is one of the few places that likes to appear like a meritocracy. Like you know, a poor yeah. person can ascend, a bastard can ascend. They were considering putting someone of low birth, but ultimately they didn't. They picked a, Ty- a Tyrell. So maybe that that meritocracy line is 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 not true. There is a lot of yeah. sort of prejudice and politicking in in the Citadel, like everywhere everywhere else. Well, yeah. The other one the was uh, was a best. Didn't they say that the other guy they were considering was a uh, you know a whore's whelp or something like that that they said? Uh-huh. Yeah, but both of those were for for show. Like the uh, let's see. I was I was wondering too if maybe the Tyrells are putting pressure on them. Well, the High Towers are. Yeah, because they're right there, there obviously too. in that region. I've always been fascinated just by because you know the Tyrells are the overlords, but it seems that the you know the the High Towers and the Citadel it, you know it should be reversed that they've yeah. they're not as they're not really bannermen to the Tyrells in maybe in name, but it, not not really because it it's just doesn't make complete sense. They've they've got the power. They've got they're never touched by the wars. They're active in princes and the queen, right? Well, they've right. got yeah. the yeah they've got the well, ancient the house, whereas the Tyrells are pretty pretty young. Yeah, yeah, yeah I kind of get that same vibe too that the. The high tower should be more significant, but um, hmm. I like how Tyrion had an early copy of the World of Ice and Fire that he was reading in his room. He's reading about the, the Rhoynish Wars yeah. and their elephants. I don't remember them having elephants, but I don't know if uh, that's just my me forgetting. Is this the elephants in this chapter? Well, he says like he couldn't focus on the elephants because he was thinking right. about Shay. So I assume that's <laughs> the Rhoynish that elephants. You got to review yeah, the copy. sources too, right? Yeah, Olafon. Yeah. Yeah. And he talks about, oh yeah, here, here's about the kettle blacks here. Oh shit! Leading him on. <laughs> Everybody's from the Vale. The kettle blacks, Manda Moore. It's all going back to Littlefinger. Yeah. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Littlefinger. Yeah. And then he wants to see Shay. So. Yeah, he does. 
gets ready to see her. Makes fun of Podrick. <laughs> makes fun of Podrick? Yeah. Oh, and then, uh, yeah, so the, and then he sees Sir Loras on the way there, and we get the important line from Sir Loras about once the sun is set, no candle can replace it. Yeah, I was angry because reading this, I didn't underline that the first three, two times I read the book, so I had to underline it this time. Mm. So I don't know how that that escaped me, but uh, that is one of my favorite lines. And, you know, Dolores was ready to, like, slap him. He's like, are you mocking me, sir? No, no. <laughs> and then he says that the, the house will continue through his brothers, at least in the books. So yeah. if they go there on the show, I don't know. In, in hindsight, that seems like probably the most obvious nod that there's a romantic relationship with Renly. Like, what else could it possibly mean other than him and Renly with yeah. together? Yeah. Hmm. Hey, you guys got me searching for that line. Uh, I have another far-fetched theory. Well, not really a theory, okay. but, but Tyrion passes, maybe like a, an allusion to a future event, but Tyrion passes a dog fight, and there are two dogs fighting, uh, a big dog yeah. and a little dog, and the little dog rips the face off the big dog, and I thought that might be <laughs> foreshadowing Brienne getting her face bitten off by Bida. Oh. oh, I thought you were thinking of, like, the mountain versus uh, the hound. Yeah. Oh, maybe that too, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I thought it was the other way around, and it was referring to like Gregor scarring Sandor, but it, it was a smaller dog who actually. Yeah, it was a but it's dog the big dog that got the, got the face ripped off, yeah. Yeah, so it's the other way around here. And that would make sense because he got his face ripped off by the fire. Yeah, will happen. Hmm. I had a question because I know uh, Kyle, you you're on Team Detrice regards <laughs> to audiobooks, right? You yes. enjoy his reading. Certainly. So the, the first time I ever read the books was on, on the audiobooks, and. All of most of the lovemaking scenes, I have like him burned into my brain with these just off hearing an old man read about these scenes. And you know, the Morris one is the, the Pitire one, but this scene too, when I'm reading it, all I hear in my head is like, you know, just the thrusts and, and everything and the lips. And the, I can't read it without hearing Roy Detrice. And I'd think that other things would stick with me, like epic lines or the Battle of the Blackwater, but no, it's these awful <laughs> sex positions that I have Roy Detrice in my head. So I don't know if you experienced that or, or if that sticks with you, but it's, it's always there. <laughs> Weird. I don't really when have you close any. Your eyes uh, at <laughs> the first two times I read these books, I, I, I listened to them uh, with Roy Detrice, and um, I don't know. They were, they were some of the first audiobooks I had ever listened to, and so um, I, I don't know. It doesn't really stick with me because then I listened to a whole bunch afterwards and and whatnot. But um, no, I don't really have any particular moments that stick with me, and uh, thankfully not any uh, sex scenes. So <laughs> right, I can't join you in that. I can't right. join you in that torture, sir. <laughs> uh, yeah, hearing him say when Shay rolled off his cock and slid out of her, it's it's Whoa. different when I have an old man say that in my head. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it matters whether he's saying it or not. It's just such an unappealing scene. Like, I don't think there's a sex scene in A Song of Ice and Fire that it doesn't make you sort of recoil. They're all pretty gross. There's nothing like about? They're amazing. About. <laughs> I don't go to like... He talks about on the VOK guys night out. The only one that I could think of was the, like Asha and, and Carl the Maid that seemed to be pretty above board. That was okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're both into it. That was fine. I mean, the like, Ariane I mean, Ari's one is okay. It's kind of pathetic, but it's okay. But the, everything with Tyrion <laughs> is just. Ugh. You kidding me, guys? I don't even. I don't even have to search for porn anymore. I just read these books. We just hit play. Is a book the soiled Kyle, not the other way around? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have some very well thumbed copies of Fifty Shades of Grey that that seem to stay in the store, but you can tell they've been read a couple times. Oh so. my right gosh! I on the audiobook for that one. <laughs> Oh, I went to a Barnes and Noble once, and I was looking at a Nook, and I was like, "Ooh, this is a, oh, oh, let me check this out." And I turned it on, 
and it was a list of like um, of sex toys and different things on the screen. I was like, "What is this?" And I looked up, and it was Fifty Shades of Grey. And yeah, I was like, "They've got a whole slew of accessories." <sighs> I was like, "I should probably uh, change this for when the next kid comes over here." So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, disgusting phenomenon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Amin knows what's up. Um, yeah, so uh, sex scene, and then uh, what's it? Shay's good at her bed play. Anyway, she knows how to manipulate him. So she, according to George R. R. Martin, is just completely using yeah. uh, Terry, and there's no connection. She knows what she's doing. She, she's a child. She she wants jewelry, and she wants to go to the fancy dinner parties. You know, yep. No one, no one will notice me. So yeah, everyone will notice you. <laughs> <laughs> And she's a good actress, unlike the show where she is in love. Well, you can tell there's that emotional connection in, yeah. in the show. In the books, uh, apparently not so much, yeah. um, according to George. Anyway. Yeah. And I'm surprised that he gave that much detail about it. Like Normally, he doesn't go into that detail or lets you interpret it yourself, but that was surprising. And then also the fact that he talks about Varys being involved, maybe, or yeah. the whole Tywin and Bed uh, situation. She's feeding all his fantasies. She's really just in it for the money and the status. And on the and flip side, have, sorry. Okay, I was going to say, she does have the immortal line when she's trying to get Lawless to go to dinner. I told Lawless no one was going to rape her in the king's own throne room, but she's so stupid. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult. Not, not on the level. It's difficult to see what Tyrion sees in Shay. Like, why does she love? Why does he love this person? Like, beyond the fact that she's pretty and that she'll just do whatever he wants. There's it's not just kind of like Tisha, though. I guess. It. I mean, Tisha must have. Known. I think that's what it is. I think he's basically she's just like a blank canvas, and he's just using her to fulfill all of his desires and gain some sense of control because his life's sort of spiraling, spiraling down around him, and and he has complete control over her. He can tell her where to be, what to do. She's sort of undying love in, in exchange for money. Um, but ultimately, I think it's just him playing out his unresolved feelings for Taisha. Like, he hasn't got over that trauma, and he's just using Shay to sort of replay that act over and over again. Mm. Well, it's very, I mean, don't don't undersell the power of a, uh, of a submissive woman to someone who, I don't know how dominant I would call Tyrion, but, uh, you know... Um, he likes he likes a submissive woman, and that's a that's a very powerful thing to somebody who has that uh, well, who has that kink or who likes that. I think woman. he feels dominated by everyone else and just sort of yeah. abused by everyone. So he wants the chance to feel in charge of something and to feel someone love him. And if there's even a sign, there's even a, a line like oh, I can't remember what it was, but just feeling someone next to him, having human contact, just kind of weakens him in the knees because it's so infrequent for him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like Book Shay has no problem calling herself a whore. She even like cuts him off one point and says, "I'm your whore. I know. I'd be your lady, but I never can." And in the in the show, she goes out of her way. It's like a whore. I'm a whore. I'm your whore. Yes. <laughs> kind, of, kind of what you. What I'm paying you for. Was in your card description. <laughs> <laughs> it was on your business card. I don't yeah, know what you want me to say. Um, <laughs> it was on your Tinder profile. I'm not sure what you, what we're arguing yeah. about here. <laughs> Okay, just near the end here, they're talking about how uh, Varys goes through the, I guess it's through the bed to get down there and says counterweight spell. Is that supposed to be just some sort of mechanical system? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think he's joking. Yeah. She called, didn't yeah. she call him a wizard at one point or something? Or a magician? Mm. Yeah. Or she thought it was magic, yeah. But I like that. But that's still pretty good construction there if it's still working like years later. Yeah. Whenever, whenever it was built. I wonder if Varys built it or if it was built by someone else and Varys figured it out and took that place because it was so convenient for his, his spying. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a previous uh, hand as uh, Master Whispers. Yeah. 
So he, he wanted to send her away, but she's managed to make him keep her there. Yeah, it's like his tragic, this chapter is like, doesn't seem like a big deal, but it's this tragic decision that just ruins his entire life. If he just send her away in this chapter, he could have avoided so much heartache. And I guess it's not that easy. Oh, I don't know. Oh. God, it's just, when you're it's always alone, the, uh, when no Jamie you. situation, just like the chapter before, right? Like after all that, he's not gonna send her away. Gosh, I don't know. Yeah, it, I can understand. Is, I mean, it is a very different ah. character from Shoshe because I think in the show he offers to put her up in a house in the free cities, lavish her with gifts and all that, but she doesn't want it. She wants to stay with him. She genuinely but loves. Shoshe would have taken that. Yeah, she would have taken. The she would have snapped like, it up in a second. <laughs> He Thank should have you. done that. He yeah. should have done that. He should have set her up in a house. Maybe not the free cities, but some place, and then he could visit her. Maybe I don't know. Well, he tried that before. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Although he's smarter now, I guess. But at least get her out of King's Landing. It's ridiculous yeah. that he would put her in so much danger yet claim to love her. And it seems like here he's not even trying to get her to leave King's Landing because at one point he's she's like, "Do I have to?" He's like, "No, you can stay. You just can't see me anymore." So it seems like he's just trying to cut off their relationship. Like he's not actually trying to send her, send her, you know, as far away as he was in the show. Sure. Yeah. Apparently, Bron's being busy. <laughs> Bron. <laughs> it's funny that those two chapters we do today have like the two characters that, since I've seen the show, I can't think of them before of Brienne and Bron because the actors are. I think they're just some of the most amazing, you know, casting choices that yeah. I, I can't picture them how I saw them before. And he's Jerome Flynn is always is Bron to me. No. He's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, right at the end of the chapter, it talks about Simon Silvertongue and the threat he might be there because he knows about Shay. And Tyrion considers killing him, but he's like, no, we'll find him first, talk to him. At least and then for now. We'll kill him. <laughs> Later Wait, on, he does, decides to kill him. How does Silvertongue know about Shay? Remind me again. He's uh, just been singing to keep her like busy, because she's bored. Well, there's a scene they with them early... In brothel, right? Yeah, there's a scene with them early in book two where they're hanging out, so they must be old friends. Okay. I think they were all just at the brothel at Shataya's, and, and he yeah, started, you know, and then she just like, took a liking to him. Yeah. But... How does he know she's in King's Land? Or how does she know he's in? I think she, he sees Tyrion come one time, and like later on, okay. he tries to blackmail Tyrion. So I guess he was just there by chance. No, he went to visit. You know, when Tyrion had like the secret passageway set up at one time, yep. when he went to meet Shay, Shay was there with Simon. He was singing yeah. to yes. her, talking to her, and then he knew that he knew Tyrion, and so it was like, okay. Yeah, he said, "My Lord Hand." I think Tyrion was like, "You should have pretended not to recognize me," or at least he thought about it, right? Because yeah, that would have been a smart thing to be like, yeah. It just seems like it's been so long since that scene. Like, why is he just now doing something about it? Well, because it was Simon that filled uh, Shay's head with all these uh, stories about how grand the feast was going to be. Okay. Yeah. So she's seen him since then, and he's causing trouble. There's the answer. Thank you very much. And then and when he they does meet, try to blackmail them later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When they meet up, he threatens to play this song about the hand of the king meeting this lady in a brothel, and that's when he decides to kill him because he's trying to blackmail him. Yeah. You did. I never agreed with that decision. That was always kind of a black mark on uh, Tyrion's record. And it's it's view. definitely a descent, like his slow moral decay throughout this book. It's not and as, it all... as bad as, Renly, as Stannis killing Renly, but it's it's yeah, I don't like it. Uh, sure, he sees yeah. it as, as becoming more like his father. He's I think he's like father. Look, I can do this as well. <laughs> but it's Another to protect mark. Shay. It's like it's this sort of growing desperation. He's got to keep Shay safe. He's got to keep her around. He needs Shay. She's like a drug to him. She's the only one who, like, without Jamie, she's the only one he can sort of open up to and be honest with and have human contact with and all that. But remember, yeah. Littlefinger said that thing about gold, like, buys a man silence for a while and then a dagger forever? Yeah. Yeah. 
but it is, yeah, you're right, it's a sign of him changing. But this whole, it, it's interesting that the chapter finishes with a singer because it kind of relates to my essay, Singers and Songs of Ice and Fire, which is... Look at that segue, I yeah. mean. There you go. <laughs> we, we, we've, we've actually released it freely now, like as kind of like a preview for A Hymn for Spring. So it's, the link is on our website, and we'll be is doing Is the book definitely coming out on April 15th, as far as you know? Yeah, as far as I know, it is. Okay. Like it, it should, it, it looks like it's going to make it for. I mean, it's going to be within April at the least, if, even if it's like a week later or something. But and you know, is it published by? I know it's through Amazon, but is it like using their imprint, Alibris, or uh, just their self self publishing? Um, or do you know like what the actual publisher is, or is it just Amazon? The publisher is the same one that that did their first book. So I don't think it's just Amazon. It's through Amazon, but it's right because they have publisher. a couple print on demands yeah. that they use, and yeah. some of them are tougher to like to order from from bookstores and stuff. But uh, yeah. I always try to get a couple in. Yeah. This is the ebook is released on the on the fifteenth. I'm not sure if the the print will be ready. Okay. But, but yeah, we'll be doing an episode on that on that essay and other ones. So if you since, since that essay is freely out there, you can read it and send send your comments and questions. Cool. Well uh, done, gentlemen. Want to wrap us Thanks. up, Carl? Um. Uh, yeah. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Take us home. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta finish my McDonald's before I do this. <laughs> no, yeah, there we go. Yeah, we gotta get that McDonald's oh, plug. Yeah, here. gotta get yeah. that bonus episode. Oh, get our sponsorship in there. Yeah. Um. Actually, I had Panda Express tonight. Eat Panda Express. <laughs> <Sorry. No> pandas <laughs> are making this Chinese. You gotta, you gotta have a healthy, multicultural diet. So yeah. Exactly. I, I always thought those were made up because they don't have them on the East Coast. And until my brother went to, it, he was like, "No, no, those are real. That's an actual chain." I just thought that was a, a made-up chain. <laughs> Just Amy was here. She would be yelling at me for <laughs> eating Panda Express, but oh, there we go. She hasn't made me a home cooked Asian meal, so uh, I don't know what she's getting <laughs> me for. Um, so anyway, thank every, thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of a podcast of Ice and Fire. And uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, Thanks for having us. Thank you. There we go. Do you guys want anybody to find you guys? Are you on Twitter or anything? Or or do you want to stay anonymous? So what's going on? Uh, no, just can, vassals at Kingsgrave. Yeah, That's just check out theokpodcast.com. That's where we hang out and make podcasts. All right. Vote for the next book club. <laughs> yeah, vote for Greg's yeah. next book club. Nice. Oh, is yes. the voting over for the podcasts now? Like the podcast awards? Yeah, it finished yes, a couple God. days ago. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're God. voting every day, Greg. Yeah, weren't we all supposed to do that? <laughs> Every time. <laughs> oh, God. That's commitment. How do you, how do you think you did? Uh, I don't think we're going to beat Serial, but it was... Uh, yeah, it would be <laughs> tough to beat Serial podcast, but we, we did our best. <laughs> you kidding me? Nobody listened to that yeah. thing. Obscure that's NPR. Not start so that's not active right now, too, right? Like, I mean, people listening to it, if, if it's not active, they're not asking. It's active enough that, like, 9 million people who never listen to a podcast listen to it, but I don't know if those people are going to be voting. Hopefully that's the show that made podcasts relevant. Yeah. <laughs> As every article says. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, make sure you check out these fine gentlemen on uh, Vassals of Kingsgrave podcast. They're doing some good work over there. So thanks again for joining us, gentlemen. Amin, of course. And uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at APOIAF and join our Facebook page and uh, sign up on the forums. Yeah, we love to chat. So thank you guys. And until next time, adios. See you next time. Bye-bye. See ya. Good. Good episode. Uh, I may need your files. We'll see how mine turned out. Yeah, you usually don't like mine, but um, okay. Hmm. Duncan's <laughs> usually records well, or Greg's. I think we've done a few. Oh, that's so. right. They, they're going. Yeah. So that's wonderful. Okay, I'll just yeah, I haven't had any issues in quite some time, so hopefully that'll keep going. Yeah. But I haven't updated in, in probably a year, so I, I assume that's why. All right. Just one quick thing I want to mention before we head out is 
if for some reason we don't, uh, it's possible during this the ten week run of the episodes, I might not be able to do a one week or two. We never know. Like it might be difficult. What we plan to do in that case, Kyle, do you, do you think you would uh, just go on to VOK for that week or do an like a podcast? How do you think you would? Um, what would I do if you're yeah. not around? Um, I'd probably get together with like Kristen or David from over at Think Hero and just probably um, chat with them for like half an hour or something about the episode and okay and uh, put it out. All if, right, yeah, because if, if you send me the file, I could put it out. Like if you, if you edit it, like I could just upload it, but I wouldn't yeah. be able to record and edit so that week just just uh, in case that happened. I mean that would that would be my backup. That would be my knee jerk backup plan because they live close to me and I can just run over with my my microphone and whip something out. Okay. Whip something out. Oh, that was the wrong terminology. <laughs> With Kristen right and uh, her, her other friends. Or... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the is the podcast that soiled you, Kyle? Not the other way. Around. <laughs> oh God! I'm ruined. <laughs> My career is over. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah. Well, well, if you, you know, do that, you should uh, film it for YouTube in the actual episode. You, yeah, you no, want to film me do... whipping it out? Yeah, I don't know. Enough. Enough. <laughs> we'll get more hits, but. Um, Get hits from the people you don't want to get hits from. <laughs> hits or hits? <laughs> yeah, hits or hits. All Speaking right. of that, I, I, I've been getting all these likes on my Facebook page, and uh, like within this past week, 150 likes, and last the week before was about the same. And about a quarter of the people liking my page have very um, sexual-looking pictures with like naked guys hugging each other or different things. Um, and uh, I'm wondering where they're coming from. So maybe, maybe uh, <laughs> you've become a gay icon. <laughs> Possibly. Is your, is your Facebook picture the same as your Skype picture? Because you might getting be getting some fighting love bear, from the bear community. Yeah, the bear. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> it is not the same as that. Um, but yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't know why I brought that up. We were just talking about that. But um, yeah, it's a it's a mystery in my life at the moment. <laughs> Well, it's Anywho. good that you're getting more hits, though, or you're getting more likes. That, that's yeah, good. absolutely. I mean, it's crazy. But you, you do sometimes do those like YouTube videos and stuff, right, where you chat about shows and or the episodes. Yes, yes. I chat about the episodes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. certainly. All right, because this, this, this season, this, I mean, it's, it's bigger than ever before, so this could be good for you. Yeah, I, I feel like the show has reached its viewer peak, to be honest. Mm. I mean, we were talking earlier about how a lot of readers are going to leave. I, I don't think the numbers are going to go up for the show anymore. <clears throat> Just my opinion. Anywho. Anyways, good to record. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to head out now. But All right. All right good night, geez. everybody. Night. Good night. A pleasure podcasting, Kyle, for the first time. Yes, it was a pleasure as well. Thank you so much for joining us. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Greg has a big bingo sheet he's checking off. <laughs> I don't want to be in your club, but I'm going to keep talking about it until a minute. <laughs> I picture him like a grandma with like five markers. Just like, yeah. Bingo! Bingo! You can record something with Ashley at the... We are going to record something there. So, yeah, you go. I know I podcast with Ashley, I think, twice. Okay, so just me. Just me. Just me. The unicorn. Just show up like that guy that showed up to George R. R. Martin's house to show up to Mimi's house. Like, hey, I'm here. Yeah, it's show up with a pot of cheese doodles. <laughs> I'm still bitter. I'm still bitter. I, I didn't take like the hour out of my life to read those stories so I could join. I just <laughs> forgive myself. That. <laughs> still a haze. Fever dream, that recording. Oh, man. All right. Cheers. All right. Take these. See you guys. I did. I've been podcasting with you guys so long with a microphone built into my headset. Now that I'm not using that anymore, I hmm. forget it's a halfway across the room sometimes. <laughs> hey guys. Hey. hey, Duncan.
Just trying to figure out Skype. I did an update. Now I don't know where any of the, any of the buttons mean. Mm-hmm. No, oh, never update right before a podcast. <laughs> oh, now, now the te- now the IM is on the side of the screen. This is this is not good. I haven't updated in years. Just check right into the Darkling plane with him. <laughs> <laughs> I only use Skype to podcast. So the only time I'm reminded about the update is right before I'm about to podcast, and I always go, "No, I can't do it now." Yeah, yeah me too. It was reminding me like every thirty minutes. I'm like, mm, something bad going to happen if I don't update? Is the whole thing going to crash? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just reading Martin's words. About- yeah. I like how he says, I, I think. Like, he doesn't know. Like, yeah. I think this. <laughs> like a sex kitten, maybe. <clears throat> Alright, let's see what uh, episode oh. this would be. It's, it's um... <laughs> Yeah, how old? Hey, Carl, you're the one who actually found this art- article back then. And- oh no, it was uh, it was one of the other gentlemen we have with us this evening. Oh, yeah, I, no, just I mean, like in we, we, we've covered this article before briefly. I think during the season <laughs> four reviews. I think. Oh, okay. Found about it then, but I, I just found it interesting because he actually he reveals a lot here, like kind of like what we've speculated, like Varys may have a role there and that kind of stuff, and, and how she really felt about Tyrion. Hmm. I don't want to talk about anything till we're, we're we're going. Yeah, I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> Save that gold. I feel like we always talk about shit like for half an hour before we start, and then yeah. we have nothing to talk about once we start. All right, let's see what the episode number is. Duncan, this means me and you are that much closer to the Adamantium Club or whatever it is. We got uh, <laughs> Kyle now. The Unobtainium Club. Unobtainium, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, Duncan already podcasted with Kyle before. Yeah. Oh, have you? Oh, then yeah, I'm yeah. joining. Oh, never mind. I haven't All podcasted right. with Ashley or Mimi yet. Kyle's easy to podcast with. He's the easy <laughs> one. No, I'm, a, I'm very easy. <laughs> Mimi's like I'm a, a unicorn. Too, so. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to count my Pictionary play with Mimi as joining the club then, because it was over Skype, and, but nobody was recording it. So <laughs> That you know of. Right. Kyle, Kyle's basically the Shea and Mimi is the Tywin. Yeah, it means mm-hmm. trying to create this feudal system where there's like different stones attached to your status, and <laughs> some four members are more oh, valuable. It's like cult member status. So you have to like pay money to move to the next level. Of the yeah, cult. yeah. He's got us paying money for the game board league. He's got this. It's, he's running <laughs> quite a racket. <laughs> he is running a racket over there. <laughs> good game, right. by the way. I mean, I, I wanted that to be over. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a good game. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's just hit record and do this. It is recording right now. Yeah, it's episode oh, wow. 167 uh, for the week of March 22nd. That's when it's recorded anyways. Yeah, that's a great intro right there. Let's do it. <laughs> just so, is there any news we want to cover when, when we get, get into this? Or do we just say, like, season five is coming out? Well, I think uh, I think we should mention um, Benioff and Weiss saying how the show is going to spoil the books, and then okay. Martin Martin replied today about that. Oh, good. Uh, also, okay, I saw I on I saw on Winter is Coming that they're going to make a remake of Game of Thrones in India. Well, but yeah, let's let's just talk about all this stuff when. Okay. The, the, ooh, <laughs> all right, yeah. and then after that, news, I'll, I'll mention our <laughs> upcoming spoiler policy, which will be just like talk about whatever you want to talk about. I mean, let's okay. do it. Why don't you do the intro then, Kyle? Oh. <laughs> Well, you just figured out what episode number it was. I wasn't yeah, listening to you. 167. 167 for the week. Oh, March 22nd. Of March 20. What is it? 22nd. Say it again. 20 Do weeks start on Sunday in Canada? I guess yeah. they do. Yeah. That's what we've been doing on the podcast. So, okay. so March 20. 22. I can't hear you. 
I'll write it in the IM. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, there we go. March 22. Thank you. Yeah. You, I don't know. I think it's just me. I mean, but ever since we've ever been recording, you like you break up on me all the time. But I think I it's just me because everybody understands what you're saying, but I don't always. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. We all recording. All right. Yeah. yeah I got one going. All right.